Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Young Nash Radio. I'm delighted to be back here with uh, my two good friends, Tatiana and Kate, both of whom you've met before. Hi, everyone. Hi. And um, today we're chatting about how to stay positive during difficult times. Interestingly enough, this topic of conversation actually came about as feedback from our previous um, podcasts on navigating grief. And one of the listeners came back to us saying, how incredible is it for you to be this upbeat in your situation? Truth be told, um, upbeat positive is probably not the, the way to describe it, but a small caveat, today we're not talking about trauma, today we're talking about uh, mundane uh, life, um, low points of life and difficulties in life, and uh, trauma is probably another, another subject, another podcast, so today is more applicable to just everyday stuff, and um, as a family, the three of us, my husband, Masha, and I, we always approach every difficulty from the point of view of a lesson. And as such, what's in it for me? Why is this lesson in my movie? Why is this happening uh, in my life? How, what do I get out of it? Um, we always look at any life situations um, as in things will continue happening until you learn the lesson. And so the quicker you learn the lesson, the better off you are. You will inevitably have different lessons following that, but at least this one will be out of your way. Normal human reaction is our tendency, especially in, in the midst of a struggle, is, oh, I can't wait for this to be over. How can I overcome it in a way that's beneficial for me and people around me? And uh, it took us a while, um, admittedly, but even when Masha was first diagnosed with cancer, it took us uh, probably about five weeks of being really well low doesn't even describe it but yeah being in a in a bad in a dark space but uh after about five weeks we thought okay well we are where we are what do we do with it what's next how do we choose to go through that and the choice was we want to still enjoy life as much as possible we want to give people as much as possible and so we chose to dress up for every hospital appointment. We chose to keep the food. Um, and then COVID happened, so we were not allowed to go out. So we were not allowed to see anyone. We were pretty much cooped in. And so we figured, okay, so one of our favorite activities, which was going out and to really beautiful places in London, um, is out of the way. Um, and we can't see, and we can't, we can't go out to dinner and see people. We can't invite people over for dinner. So we just invite ourselves for dinner. And so we used our best dishes, we used our best glasses, we cooked our best food, we always made sure that it was different every single time. So we actively made an effort to make a difficult time as positive as possible. It takes a mindset to switch, you know, you can go with the flow and just feel sorry for yourself, or you can switch the flow and take yourself to another level and feel a little bit better. But I'd like to also ask, um, Caitlin and Tatiana. So I know you guys have been speaking to your peers and you've had experiences yourselves. Um, not a single human life is ever easy and lesson-free. So how do you guys deal with it? Just touching on from what Kate, other Kate said, um, something really important that I've been told in the past, actually by a therapist, 
is that action precedes motivation. And what that basically means is that if, you know, for example, you're really, really struggling to kind of get out and do something that makes yourself feel better, you have to force yourself out to do that, to realize how good it makes you feel, which then motivates you to continue doing that. And Kate, it's kind of like what you said when you said, um, you know, the first five weeks are really difficult after finding out the diagnosis, but then, you know, dressing up for hospital appointments, it kind of just makes the whole thing like that tiny bit easier and it makes it more bearable, I guess. Do you know what we did? Um, so it was literally on Valentine's Day. So Mash, uh, Mash landed herself in hospital uh, at the very beginning of January. And, uh, and I remember going to see her uh, because either my husband and I, we were always there, nights, days, we were just always there and we're just taking shifts. And so it was my shift and it was Valentine's Day. And I thought, this is really not okay that she's there. And we need to make sure that we still celebrate because it's still Valentine's Day. And we need to make sure that she's pretty. And uh, so I went uh, for the first time, I actually made an effort to, rather than going in in my trekkies, um, I made an effort. I, uh, I dressed up really well, I had makeup on. I went out to buy some roses because God knows much loves her flowers. And so I got some roses, I picked up her makeup, I picked up some nice things for her, some nice tops. Um, I picked out a tiny little champagne bucket and a tiny little champagne bottle. And uh, I went to the hospital, um, I helped her shower, I helped her dress up, I would put that champagne on ice. All the nurses thought it was hilarious because it was just the tiniest little thing, you know, one of those really small bottles. And um, her boyfriend at the time went to see her and uh, even though she was on chemo, so obviously she couldn't have any champagne, but it was just nice that it was there and they were together and she looked so, so, so pretty. And uh, it didn't necessarily make it easier, but I think it makes it shift. Um, it shifts you into a different space in a different frame, as in you go from feeling like a complete victim to someone who can't do anything and everything is out of your control to someone who can perhaps not to the same degree that you normally would, but you still can and you're still celebrating, you're still standing and you're still looking pretty. Again, not to the same degree as you are used to, but you're definitely feeling a little bit more like yourself. And I think that's, that's really key. I think also you remember how you feel when you've done something like that and it helps you to like for future moments to be able to kind of repeat that and feel good about yourself so yeah I guess I get what you mean when you say it shifts rather than makes it easier um so yesterday I sent some messages out to lots of my friends and I asked them how do you guys stay optimistic during a hard time and I got some really good answers back although most people actually asked me if I'm okay <laughs> I thought that I was genuinely asking them for advice and I was like yeah no I'm good it's it's for a podcast like please don't worry um and I was telling Kate like it honestly opened up some really really beautiful conversations and I started thinking like where on earth did I find these people from like it, honestly some of it was incredible um well you know what they say it's your closest five people right yeah you have to be really mindful who you keep close to you yeah because they're a reflection of you as well yeah. um so some of the things that we 
sort of spoke about was things like gratitude journals, which I know that's something you're a really big fan of, like you, um, Mash and Dimitri. Um, adding positivity to someone else's life, which links really nicely with our kind of ethos, which is that we rise by lifting others. Sometimes it's good to just determine what is in your control and what is out of your control. And if you come to terms with the fact that you can't change what's out of your control, then I think you start to become more at peace with the trials and tribulations of life. I don't know if you agree with that or you disagree, but I thought that was quite nice. That's quite nice. Um, yeah. I, I think it's important to also determine uh, what's a trying period. And I've been thinking about it and it seems to me that the way I would probably describe it is that it's that which I want is not available to me right now. Um, so sit with it for a second. That which I want is not available to me right now. Whether that's money, a job, a partner, I want it or I want respect. Yeah. I'm not getting it right now. And that perceived sense of lack and disempowerment, which makes people hugely discomfortable, uncomfortable. That was a big one, just staying positive. Creating small little goals for myself even. Like I'm not able to do stuff for myself right now, but what can I do <clears throat> to help someone else? And that always gave me the motivation of, oh, I can, I can actually do this. I'm going to play here. And uh, some people say, oh, you don't know what my life is like. You have no idea what I'm going through. Actually, in fact, one of our, uh, one of our young mentors had this conversation recently with someone who said, oh, you don't understand me. You don't understand how difficult my life is. So when someone is in that space, how do you find the motivation to help somebody else? And then people would say, oh, do you know, um, I can't really help myself, let alone anybody else. Yeah. What would you say to that? I don't know. It's tricky because I've been there. It took me years to get out of that mindset. Give us a shortcut. The shortcut. I don't think there is a shortcut. I'm going to be very honest with you. It takes work and, and dedication. And it's it sounds scary and it is scary for a little bit. But once you get into a habit, creating habits, I guess, is the, the easier way out like setting 15 alarms before you wake up just so you can open up your eyes. Don't get out of bed, but make sure you're awake and you're in bed. Watch a movie or something, you know. You're awake. It's those small little things that add up. Make yourself something to eat. Yeah, it'll be two-minute noodles or something, but you've still done it, <laughs> you know. I don't yeah. know. Tatiana, yeah. what's your take on it? What would you say to someone who says, I can't help myself, I can't help you then? I... I think I'm in the same boat as Kate Jr. <laughs> in that it is so, it's so much easier said than done. I think for our generation as well, I think we're quite, <laughs> if only you could see Kate's rolling her eyes right now. Seriously, <laughs> gone. I think our generation is just quite laid back. We look for kind of like the easy ways out. So if we can, you know, if we're comfortable sitting with the fact that we're miserable and if it means that we don't have to help ourselves and we don't have to help others, and I think we'll choose that route, if that makes sense. I think yeah. we're just very unbothered 
So like Caitlin said, it's, it takes a long time to get out of that kind of, I don't want to say the word lazy, but I can't think of any other word. It's, but, it's, yeah. it's a mindset, you know, it is a, it's not even our fault. <laughs> well, it's, well, I mean, like, you know, no one asks to be put into that kind of mindset, but yeah. it's up to us about what we do with it. So what do I think? I think that it kind of starts, it's a generational problem, I do think. Uh, I think we have uh, people, uh, my grandparents, who fought, you know, who went through the war, um, and it's four and a half years of unbelievable hell, for lack of a better word. My grandfather enlisted when he was 16. He lied about his age and he said he was 18. So he went early. Um, imagine a 16 year old, 16. Remember yourself at 16 and what that's like and actually putting on the uniform, going to, to the front and, and uh, he was in the Navy. And um, so I know for a fact that people can get out of diff difficult mindsets. People can, it's a question of want and the willpower. And seeing as it's physically possible, as been proven by generations um, before us. So then I think we should find a way. And it is natural for parents to try and want to protect their, their young. And you want to make sure that your kid has an easier life than you've had. And so you protect them. And as a result, you protected them to a point, generation after generation, when you end up with um, a bunch of people who cannot withstand any pressure and any difficulty and it becomes much harder. And so what you do, it results in a disservice rather than a service. And it's a very, very, very difficult balance to maintain because you do want to make sure that you, you, you help and support and uplift. And it's just how do you support to a point when they still fall down and get up and uh, remain independent and have the backbone to stand up to life. And, um, and I think one of you just mentioned, then my memory is failing me, which one, but um, oh, Caitlin, I think you said it. Um, you've tried being uh, in a space when I can't help myself, I can't get out of bed, I can't do any of those things. And then it takes you years, but then you suddenly realize, well, hey, Ashley, I do have a situation. How do I get out? So inevitably, I think we all come to the conclusion that no matter how difficult it is, um, I'm, I am not benefiting. Forget about the world. I am not benefiting from being in the state. And if it takes you an hour, it takes you a month, a year, whatever, however long it takes you, ultimately, we all come to the conclusion that, hey, it's not serving me. What do I do? What's my next step? How the hell do I get out? And, uh, and from the point of self-preservation, staying in that state of misery and disempowerment, because ultimately to me, it always boils down to personal power. And when you feel that you can't control anything and you feel that you completely, um, life is happening and it's not happening the way you want it, uh, it feels very disempowering and very, it makes you very small, it makes you feel very small. And uh, what is the opposite of that? How do I can control? And I can control small things. I can't control all of it, but I can control small things. What can I do? And again, Caitlin, going back to what you've said, even if it takes you 15 alarm clocks and uh, all you can do is make pot noodle, fine, do that. It's better than sitting around doing absolutely nothing. And every day you, you, you take one step further up and try a little bit more and try a little bit more. 
yeah, there's a very funny old sketch of uh, Bob Newhart uh, when a patient comes to see a therapist and she says, oh, do you know what, doc? I have this problem. I have that problem. And, and he says, stop it. My therapy is just that. Stop it. And sometimes that stop it works wonders. When you say to yourself, enough, enough, stop it. Out of bed. I don't care. Out of bed, shower, get dressed, get the hell out, do something and do something proactive and help yourself and, and you will help others and you will help yourself through that action of helping others. Even though I said we're not talking about trauma and we really are not, uh, but even in my experience dealing with trauma, I understand that if I sat around and felt sorry for myself and looked at pictures of Masha all day, every day and didn't go to, didn't shower and just stayed in bed all day, um i don't know if i'd make it but every single day because i get up and i do something proactive that hopefully will, is actually helping somebody else makes me feel better that makes me feel like my life counts for something that i'm not entirely useless yeah 100 100 you know i found service and i say service because it's it's it's, it's putting your energy into helping someone else like, I don't mean go, you know, into the police, the army, like nurse, whatever. I mean, service, not only for other people, but for yourself. That is, if you want the shortcut, that's it. Our, our parents' generation and our grandparents, they were taught to be resilient. And we all know that that didn't work. So for us, our parents like, you know, we don't want you to have to be resilient. It's a learning curve for the world, really. Oh, that's I mean, that it didn't work. Uh, um, actually, if you could unpack that, because I'm not entirely sure I follow when you say it didn't work being resilient. What I mean that is that when what I've taught about being resilient is you don't talk, you just hold, you bottle. Whatever comes your way, you do it without question. You didn't have the chance to question it if that makes sense. And resilience is, yeah, you, how do I say it? <laughs> you, you didn't have the opportunity to unpack and process. You just had to do. So that's what I've been taught about what resilience is in therapy okay. and, and all of that. And I think resilience is good, but we need to have that space to allow people to unpack and process. Do what you need to do. Don't hold yourself back, do it, don't be lazy, but unpack it, process it, you know, that's my thing. I think it's really interesting you say that because I was having a discussion with a friend yesterday who she's basically started her first kind of month as a junior doctor, like fresh out of medical school. And in those three weeks, she has changed to, she is now this like really, really positive person, despite the stuff that she sees every day, day in, day out on the wards. And she said to me that humans are really adaptable and really, really resilient. And actually, if you put something in front of a human, they will be able to overcome it. It just doesn't like, it might necess not necessarily take a week, it might take a year, but it's about the process that you go through. And I think that's something we need to go a bit deeper into is the process of getting over something yeah because it's all well and good having an end goal of like being happy or 
being content with something but if you don't address the process that you have to go through in order to reach that end goal then there's no point so I was having another discussion with a friend yesterday and he sent me a massive paragraph he was like hang on I need to get my laptop out I need to type this out for you and he said a few things I just want to read a bit of his paragraph that he said so he said once the process happens it doesn't matter about the goal and you can look forward with more optimism for example for him he's a gym lad the goal is lifting 100 kilos but the process that keeps me going is going to the gym every day I want to be religious, but the process is each prayer and page of the Quran that I read. I want to be a good brother, but the process is taking my brother out to the park. I think that's how I stay optimistic because I try and embed myself with processes that shape my identity and it stops me from being disheartened by not succeeding or losing things that are important because it's all part of the process. And I thought that was really nice because he's actually paying attention to the process and sometimes you might not reach that goal i think that was beautiful you know when you, yeah. you sent it to me yesterday i was so impressed i was even telling uh my husband yesterday how incredibly wise uh he is it's it's very few people during their lifetime i understand the the importance of the process, let alone anyone that age. And uh, so the fact that he he captured the essence yeah. so beautifully with so many examples, I think it's uh, it's a huge step. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, one part of this generation where you kind of think there's no hope, and then you have like the few. <laughs> <laughs> I do you know what? No, I actually um, I wholeheartedly. Um, disagree so we've been having um so many everyone everyone complains about millennials and gen z's right and um it annoys me hugely because how can you possibly paint a whole generation as that or whichever whether that's good bad or that many people worldwide come on um there are certain uh group characteristics as we all know however Again, I, in this instance, will say it's, it's the result of upbringing and what the parents have done, rather than in a situation when everyone tells you the same thing and just repeats it as a mantra, and then you just take it as that. Like, for example, just what, I'm going back to what Caitlin has just said, resilience. And um, I, I must say that I disagree with that. And I will, um, I will quote uh, latest neuroscientific research on that. You have to be really mindful with talk therapy and how much effort you put into talking about things which are not working for you, where you struggle, how difficult it is. And um, I will quote one of the books that's really impacted me and uh, and Mash as well, and really helped me about a year ago, um, which is, and I've talked about it before, it's uh, Edith um, Egger. And her book is called The Choice. So she is an Auschwitz survivor. She ended up in the camp when she was 18 and uh, she went through the death of her parents on the very first day of her arrival. And I don't need to go and explain what Auschwitz is like. Um, I think anyone can pick it up and everyone's done enough history um, to imagine, or at least try to. And after she was liberated, she it took her years actually decades i think and she trained as a psychotherapist and she's i think around 94 um and living in the states and she's a world-renowned 
therapist and her, her form of therapy is called choice therapy. And so she talks about, we cannot control what happens to us in life, but we can control how we respond. And that to me is resilience. It's how we respond to adversity. Not how much you sit around and, and moan. And there is a place for that as well, because then it, be, it goes into, again, like Kate said, bottling up. And uh, bottling up is never good for anyone. It hasn't done anyone any favors ever. But how long do you allow yourself to vent? And then when do you move on? And I think for most of us, and that's always been my, uh, my way of dealing with difficult things. If, if I look around and I see that people before me have managed a situation similar or harder, that means it's physically possible. And if somebody else has managed to do that, that so can I. And so if you look, look at someone like, like uh, Edith Egger, who's been through camps and who's seen the unimaginable and she is still standing, then hey, so can we. I agree. I think that leads, <laughs> that leads nicely on to something I wanted to discuss, um, which apparently Maya Jama said this in a podcast. I could be very, very wrong here, but I thought it was quite nice. So at the beginning of this podcast, we said that we weren't going to be discussing um, how to stay optimistic during trauma as such, but rather like the kind of um, typical low points of life. And she said that when you have a tough day or when you have like a low point in life, it's important to remember the last time you had a tough day or a low point. And remember that you got through that, despite the fact that at that time you might have thought that you'd never ever get through it. And that really hit home with me because I have had so many low points where I've been like, there is absolutely no way I'm getting out of it. And then you gradually get out of it and you look back and you think like, wow, I did that. And you think if I could do that then, then I can do that in the future. And I, I really, really liked that. Like, yes, it is kind of difficult to revisit in your mind a time where you did feel that low, but actually to get out of the state that you're in now, you have to revisit that in order to move forward and progress. Um, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that or if you've tried it and it's worked for you. I mean, well, I've tried it <laughs> and it works. I mean, like immigrating to Ireland from South Africa was a huge thing. And I look back on it once we arrived. Two years ago, if we had to do this, what we just did two years ago, I would not have managed. But I managed perfectly. I like to think perfectly. Yeah, there were some low points, but I managed and I coped. And it didn't take that much energy, you know, to carry on walking through it, trusting the process as it would have two years ago. It's beautiful and I can attest, I know, I know from the uh, behind the scenes that it has been a very difficult move. And I know for a fact that uh, Caitlin's not only been helping the family, but also been helping us with the collective and doing so much work for us and with us. And, uh, and uh, so, yeah, she has been dealing with it beautifully. And you mentioned energy as well. And it's occurred to me that another very good point is um, I think it takes about an equal amount of energy to lift yourself up and carry on that it does staying down. Obviously, different vibrations everywhere. 
your moods have different vibrations as well. Being low is a lower vibration. Very heavy. It's harder to shift. So sadness and depression is actually a lower vibration than anger. Yeah. So it works up like that. And once you get up in the vibrations, you've got more, more vibrations to kind of give around and put out. I don't know if that makes any sense. It's a beautiful and ties to again the work of David, uh, Dr. David Hawkins, and his uh, his book called Letting Go. He talks about the frequency yeah. uh, of each emotion. It's such an incredible book. Um, I would just recommend it to everybody. And speaking of vibrations as well, uh, all reactive behavior is always rooted in fear. And uh, the more you deal with people and uh, you work with people, every negative emotion is always ties down to fear, anger, pride, um, any kind of lashing out. It's all as well. Shame as well. It's always it's a fear of rejection, fear of not being <clears throat> enough, fear of any kind of fear. And uh, so before you lash out, before you, um, you, before you blow up, just take a step back and pause. And as we know, pause, it's, it's in science, it's in religion, it's in spirituality. There's always the uh, pause as a golden spot where we all know it's uh, scientists predict future success from people who can actually pause. And uh, we all know the famous, uh, famous, mm, test when, with the kids and the marshmallows. And so if you can hold out longer, you're supposedly more successful in life. Taking a step back and just pausing before you react to any situation. And, uh, and that pause can be before I respond to a text message, an email, uh, if I'm not in the right frame of mind and not in the right vibration, whatever you wanna call it, but just take a step back, calm yourself down, try and zoom out from the situation and think, Okay, is my first initial gut reaction the correct one? Or if I breathe into it, do I have a better solution? Pause is a really important one as well. I mean, I've found that when I pause, take a step back, I've been able to hold on to my healthy relationships a lot more. And not only when it comes to relationships, but with myself even. I've loved myself more when I take a step back and pause. Um, because it's, it's all well and good and easy to just react, you know, I mean, that's what we're, what we're built to do is react, you know, but if you take a step back, you can look at the bigger picture and it kind of makes a pathway to that end goal that you are so like looking intently for, you know, you know? Tatiana, um, do you have any more thoughts and ideas and suggestions? Again, it feels like all of my ideas come from talking to my friends. Um, but something I wanted to touch on, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on this, is toxic positivity. Oh, yeah. Um, it's all well and good. Like being positive, obviously, like being positive is great. Like go you. But when things are really, really bad and you are still in that positive mindset, I think it can be quite unhealthy. Um, I think sometimes it's okay to kind of embrace the really rubbish times and just embrace that they are bad because otherwise you'll end up packing those emotions away 
yeah saving them for later when it might not be relevant anymore and then you will end up unpacking them all at a time where like things might be really good and then your whole world will come crashing down on you I mean you know so everything has a yin and yang dark and light same with your emotions you can't always be happy all the time because how are you supposed to process or understand that feeling of I don't want to say negativity because it's not actually negativity it's just life you cannot live life if you're like always focusing on the positive Mm. it kind of brings you back a bit how are you supposed to stay positive in those certain emotions if you don't understand the process of getting there from that time I had more but I can't remember (laughs) no that was that was really really well said yeah I think it's uh, it's an important mm, topic to and a point to touch upon uh toxic positivity and uh it is important to remember that that emotion also needs to be processed just like everything else it needs to be processed remember when we had a class uh, on emotions and um our young master uh lizanne was talking about packing up all of your stuff into this invisible backpack and just carrying it with you unless you actually deal with it right there and then and eventually that backpack gets heavier and heavier and just as you least want it and expect it suddenly it breaks open and all of that just spills out um so you got to be really careful about what you accumulate and uh, um it is absolutely unrealistic to expect yourself or anybody else for that matter to always be upbeat it's actually quite annoying when people do that and also it sets you up for failure because then you expect if this is your expectation and suddenly you're not feeling that and uh, you start beating yourself up thinking oh my goodness why can't i get out of it quicker um I just have to accept the fact that, hey, right now I'm feeling really sluggish. Right now I'm feeling really sad. Allow yourself to feel it. Just like I said, give yourself a time frame, how long you're going to, to be in that state and try taking yourself out of that little by little. And, uh, you know, you have to be really careful about beating yourself up. Um, if you're in a state of lack, you need a higher frequency to shift, to shift yourself out of that. It's, um, as Kate said, it's a heavy emotion um and it takes a bit of practice but it's important to focus also on the process i mean that's where the pause comes in exactly exactly and just seeing the light at the uh, end of the tunnel you know a few people we've asked uh on social media about this and they all said well um just remembering that accepting the situation and remembering that it will end it's temporary however difficult but they will end and also having hope going forward the future is going to be a little bit better than today i'm just having a look at um what people said on social media and yeah like you said somebody said i remind myself that it will get better and things will change and it won't be forever and that's similar to what we said before like if you look at previous times when you felt this way did that last forever no like you got out of it but it was unfortunate that life gave you another hurdle to jump over but you know that won't last forever either I I thought this was really nice. I think of how grateful and happy I would be if my elderly self came into my life today. I thought it was really nice. Yeah. Like your elderly self has all of this like wisdom. And I think it'd be cool just to get a chance to like talk to your elderly self and see like how they got through their hardships in life. I would have also like, I don't know, this is just a thought, but take having a conversation with my younger self 
to compare, not compare, but to see, you know, I've been there, I can now teach myself all the stuff that I do know. And that always just makes like room for more lessons and all of that. That's just me though. <laughs> I like to live in the past. It's a problem. <laughs> One more. Somebody said, pray, reassure myself that the period will pass. Talk to friends that will keep me encouraged. Okay, so another thing I wanted to mention was um, who someone mentioned to me actually, which was a good reminder, is taking stock on fo focusing on what you already have and uh, rather than what's not working. And uh, however difficult your situation is, you have at least one person who tells you they love you. They have, you, you have a bed, you have a roof, a roof over your head, you have something, there's always something that you can be grateful for. So shifting into the state mm -hmm. of gratitude. And um, I kind of have to bring neuroscience into this, um, which is one of the things that Mark Waldman always talks about is starting the morning. And he says it's, uh, it's the same for all mammals. Every, uh, every mammal sort of recalibers their brain by starting the morning with a stretch and a yawn. And uh, before jumping out of bed, take a super slow stretch and a very mindful long yawn and just breathe into your day and imagine the best outcome for the day and just really lie in bed for a few seconds and just savor that feeling of a day going really well. That's a small neurocoaching tip there. And I think with that, we'll, we'll wrap up. So if we can just remember the few points that we've made so far, <laughs> and, uh, which is not going to be really difficult, but, um, so remember that uh, a negative period is just that, a period. Everything else will pass. It will just shift to something better eventually. Uh, remind, remind yourself uh, to stretch and yawn several times of the day. And uh, it shifts your, your mind, your mood, and, and, and takes you to, a, it's, it's almost like a restart, a reboot for yourself. Um, Pause before you react. Remember, you have a choice how to you, how you respond to difficulty. There's always choice. Careful about beating yourself up. Um, you don't want to go down, down that road. You want to remember the pain that you and the intensity of the pain that you're currently experiencing, because it, there's a lesson in that. It will help you relate to other people who are in pain, and have the empathy and and the kindness and and the gentleness to help and support. And even if it's just listening, you know what it feels like when you're yourself in those shoes. Remember that all reactive behavior is always rooted in fear. And so just take take stock of what's happening with you. You know, what is it you're fearful of? And ask yourself, uh, what's, what's the worst that can happen? Just look at all that. Uh, also remember that any negative period is always a period of maximum growth. So however painful and uncomfortable it is, remember that at that point you're growing. So again, obviously, because I am incapable of having my own opinions, I asked my friends what they do to stay optimistic. One of my friends said, knowing that the darkest hour is only 60 minutes. And I said, okay, what about the other, what about the other dark hours that follow? And he goes, 120 minutes, 180 minutes. But the point is it never lasts forever. It doesn't last forever. It doesn't last forever. A negative period is just a period. Hooray to that. Yes. <laughs>
Thank you, guys. And thank you, everyone, for listening to us. Please give us your feedback. Give us suggestions. Uh, what, what else you'd like us to talk about? Please let us know whether this is useful. Um, and if perhaps there's a strategy that we've missed that works for you, and then we can include it next time we chat to you guys. And uh, But for now, thank you so much. Have a beautiful week, and we'll speak to you all very soon. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs>